Hometown Ghost Stories contains serious and often distressing events and is not intended for all audiences. Listener discretion is advised. This week on Hometown Ghost Stories, no city in America has been around longer than St. Augustine, and countless memories remain imprinted on the streets and buildings left behind by the dead buried beneath the city. This is episode 47 of Hometown Ghost Stories, Lost Souls of America's Oldest City, St. Augustine, Florida. St. Augustine Lighthouse, Florida. A gust of wind whipped a sheet of raindrops across Joseph's face that felt like a hundred tiny shards of broken glass. His long beard shielded some of it, but it was enough to make him stumble against the trunk of a nearby palm tree that was bending persistently with the wind. He had been painting the top of the lighthouse when he saw the storm clouds rolling in. He was able to get down from the tower in time before the rain started, but it had picked up so quickly that he had to get inside for shelter rather than trying to make it back to his house. He lifted his forearm to shield his face from the wind and rain and looked up at the looming structure that stood before him. He could only see a dozen feet up, the remainder of the tower disappearing into the stormy night sky. He didn't care that he was trespassing on private property, He only cared that it was shelter from the storm, and that it would most likely be empty. He found the door and tried the handle, but of course it was locked. He lowered his shoulder and drove it into the door, once, twice, a third time. Each time he could feel the door give a little more. On the fourth try, it snapped open, the sound of the brake reverberating off the inside walls, echoing all the way to the top. Joseph knew nobody would bother him there at night, but would have to repair the door first thing in the morning. He pushed the broken door shut and propped a chair against it so the wind wouldn't blow it open, then turned to face the great spiral staircase that led all the way to the top. He found a lamp on the wall next to the door and was able to light it, faintly filling the area with an ambient orange glow. He began ascending the steps. He was familiar with the building, but it seemed to take on more of an ominous presence at night during a storm. He was a couple dozen steps up, marveling at the wrought iron railing that twisted impeccably up the center of the structure. Suddenly, he was struck with the disquieting feeling of not being alone. The hair on the back of his neck stood at attention as he heard what sounded like a little girl giggling. A temporary feeling of relief washed over him, but was gone just as fast as he realized that it was highly unlikely that a little girl would be in the lighthouse with him at that time of night, never mind during a storm. He had no source of light other than the faint glow of the lamp, so he started walking back down towards it when he felt something brush past his legs, causing him to lose his balance and slowly tumbled down a few steps. He was stopped by the curve of the railing, but managed to split his head open on one of the steps. He touched his fingertip to the wound and felt the hot, sticky wetness of blood. He struggled to his feet and tried to focus his eyes, blurry from the fall. As his eyes adjusted, he saw the dark figures of two, no, three, no, two little girls standing just a few steps up. Are you okay? One of them asked. Joseph squeezed his eyes shut and shook his head in disbelief. Could there really be two little girls in there with him? He heard more giggling behind him and opened his eyes to find the girls had disappeared, but their giggles were echoing off the walls all around him. He covered his ears and began stumbling down the stairs back towards the door. The storm at this point seemed less maddening than remaining in the lighthouse. Suddenly, the giggling stopped. He turned around to see three little girls in the dim light of the lamp, He could vaguely make out an expression of what looked like fear on their faces, and they were all looking up the staircase in the same direction. In unison, 
All three of them pointed up the staircase. Joseph looked in the direction they were pointing. Several levels up the staircase stood the dark, unmistakable figure of a man peering over the railing. Joseph turned around to run out the door, but when he grabbed the handle, his hand passed right through it, as if it weren't there. Maybe it wasn't. Is this a nightmare, he thought. He squinted his eyes to wake himself up, but when he opened them, he was still standing in the lighthouse. And the three little girls were standing there with him, with expressions of terror on their little faces. And this time, they were pointing at him. I'm Dave Wilkins, and this is Hometown Ghost Stories, St. Augustine, Florida. Founded in 1565 by Spanish Admiral Pedro Menendez de Aviles, St. Augustine is the oldest continuously occupied settlement of European and African-American origin in the United States. 42 years before the English colonized Jamestown and 55 years before the pilgrims landed at Plymouth Rock, the Spanish established at St. Augustine. Menendez picked the colony's name because he originally spotted the site on August 28th the feast day of St. Augustine. The city served as the capital of Spanish Florida for over 200 years. Epidemic diseases ravaged St. Augustine in the 17th century. Yellow fever killed Native Americans and Spaniards alike in 1649, and a smallpox outbreak in 1655 killed even more. Then, as if things couldn't get any worse, A measles epidemic struck just four years later, in 1659. Healthcare in St. Augustine was at best very primitive, and the hospital established in 1597 was described in 1605 as a miserable hole. Another epidemic of yellow fever struck in 1821. Bodies began piling up faster than the town folk could bury them, and the only cemetery in town was a Catholic cemetery that wouldn't allow non-Catholics to be buried there. The people of St. Augustine were left with no option. They constructed a fence around the city with a gate at the entrance and stationed a guard at the gate to warn people not to enter the city due to the rampant spread of disease. Then they began burying their dead outside the gate to the city. This area is what would later become in what is now known as Huguenot Cemetery. During this time, due to the massive number of deaths, it was not uncommon to have a mass grave. It's believed that for every grave marker, there are about 16 unmarked graves. The guard who manned the gate, warning off visitors, did so until eventually he died and became one of those buried outside the gate. Immediately after his death, his young daughter took over his duties for a few weeks. She too eventually died after being exposed to yellow fever. It's estimated that approximately 436 people were buried at what later became St. Augustine's first public cemetery, Huguenot Cemetery, 2005. Mark and his daughter Katie were getting ready to join the group gathered for a historical tour of St. Augustine, starting at the Huguenot Cemetery. Mark was chatting with the tour guide when he noticed that Katie wasn't by his side. He gave a quick glance around and spotted her by the cemetery gate, having a conversation with its large granite post. Big imagination on that one, Mark said to the tour guide, who chuckled in return. Mark excused himself from the conversation and walked over to Katie, who was still conversing with her new pet gate. Hey Katie, who you talking to? He asked the nine-year-old, who responded by putting her index finger in the air the universal gesture to wait a minute. Mark started to say something, but thought better of it. A moment went by, and Katie turned to him. I was talking to the girl in the dress, she informed him in a manner that was so matter-of-fact that he almost forgot she hadn't actually been talking to anybody. Oh yeah? he asked. And what did she have to say? Katie shrugged. She was weird. She told me to beware of Jack but didn't tell me who Jack was, 
Katie explained. Well, if we meet any Jacks, we'll be sure to avoid them at all costs, Mark said as he took his daughter by the hand. The tour was starting, and they were missing it. As the duo reached the group, the tour guide was talking about the yellow fever epidemic. He talked about the old gatekeeper, tasked with the duty of warning people of the infected city, and he talked about his daughter, who took over for him after he died. We refer to it as yellow fever today, but that's not what they called it back then, the tour guide explained. Back then, the people referred to it as yellow jack. Mark shuddered and looked at his daughter, who didn't return a glance. Out of the corner of his eye, he saw someone walk past the cemetery gate. He turned to see a young girl in a dress, waving at him. He looked at Katie, who was also looking at the gate, waving back. But when Mark looked back at the gate, nobody was there. Visitors to the Huguenot Cemetery can expect to see things they may not understand. It's been referred to as Spirit Central, due to the many inexplicable events and paranormal activity over the centuries. Many have seen a girl in a dress floating among the trees. She has been known to wave at guests she encounters. She's mostly spotted between the hours of midnight and 2 a.m. But perhaps the most famous ghost haunting Huguenot Cemetery isn't the gatekeeper's daughter, but rather the ghost of Judge John Stickney. The Honorable Judge passed away in 1882 and left behind his children, who were now orphans because their mother had died years before. While alive, Judge Stickney, originally from Lynn, Massachusetts, arrived in St. Augustine just after the Civil War and quickly became a leading citizen. Just after Halloween night of 1882, Judge Stickney, despite falling deathly ill, traveled to Washington, D.C. for a conference with his fellow judges. When he arrived in Washington, D.C., he was dead and his body was shipped back to Florida. An official delegation met his casket at the train station and he was laid to rest in the Huguenot Cemetery. Years later, his children, now living in Washington, D.C., decided to exhume his body and transfer his remains to a cemetery closer to them. So two gravediggers from the Huguenot Cemetery began the task of digging up the Honorable Judge Stickney. They extracted the casket from the ground and cracked open the lid. Glaring back at them were the two dark eye sockets of the judge, whose receding gums peeled back to reveal a shiny set of gold teeth that seemed to be smiling back at them. The two men jumped at the sight, and then laughed nervously at their childish reaction. They decided to take a break and walked back to the tool shed where they had kept their water canteens. After about a half hour, they returned to the casket, only to find the judge was no longer smiling. His set of gold teeth was missing. Should we inform someone? One gravedigger asked the other. You nuts, he responded. They'll have our hide. Just close the casket and none shall be the wiser, he added. The men transferred the body to a new coffin, nailed it shut, and sent it on its way. The corpse of Judge John Stickney arrived in Washington, D.C. for the second time. Although the body of the judge no longer inhabits the Huguenot Cemetery, his ghost is said to have remained, roaming the aisles of gravestones, searching for his lost gold teeth. The place has been a known hotbed for orbs, lights, and strange auditory illusions. Visitors constantly claim they have heard the cackling of an old man. They also swear that they have felt something tracking them among the bushes, following them around. The only alarm alerting the visitors that they are being stalked is the crack of the dead leaves. The St. Augustine Lighthouse St. Augustine was the site of the first lighthouse established in Florida by the new territorial American government in 1824. Prior to that, there was a wooden watchtower dating back to the late 16th century in its place. The structure was regularly referred to as a lighthouse in documents, including ship's logs and nautical charts, dating to the British period beginning in 1763. In 1783, the Spanish once again took control of St. Augustine, and once again the lighthouse was improved. In 1850, a lighthouse keeper named Joseph Andrew 
was painting the tower when he slipped and fell to his death on the rocks below. His spirit is said to haunt the stairs and has been spotted towards the top of the tower. It's believed that since he died so suddenly that his spirit is unaware that he's dead and roams the tower in a state of confusion. At the beginning of the Civil War, future mayor Paul Arnau, a local harbormaster, along with the lightkeeper, a woman named Maria Mestre de los Dolores, removed the lens from the old lighthouse and hid it in order to block Union shipping lanes as well as to help blockade runners remain hidden. After being darkened during the Civil War on June 1, 1867, the old Spanish watchtower once more became a functioning lighthouse with the return of its light. Nevertheless, it soon became clear the structure would soon lose the battle with Mother Nature as the sea continued to erode the land around the lighthouse. Congress eventually approved the funding for a new lighthouse tower and construction began in 1871. Superintendent of Lighthouse Construction, Hezekiah Pitty, moved from his house in Maine to St. Augustine with his wife Mary and their four children, Mary Adelaide, Eliza, Edward, and Carrie. The kids took to the area quickly and wasted no time transforming the construction site into their own playground, even inviting the children of the other workers to join in on their fun. There was a railway cart that was used to move supplies from the supply ships to the building site. After the workers had clocked out for the day, the pity children and their friends used the cart as a makeshift roller coaster, riding the cart all the way to the water and then towing it back to the work site to ride it down again. On July 10, 1873, the three pity sisters, Mary, age 15, Eliza, age 13, and Carrie, age 4, along with an unknown African American girl, age 10, whose father may have worked on the site, were riding in the cart as normal. Nobody minded that the children would do this because there was a wooden board that would stop the cart from running off the track into the water. Only this time, unbeknownst to the girls, the board had been removed. The girls squealed with joy as the cart twisted and turned down the track, unaware of the deadly hazard that lay ahead. The cart reached the part of the track where the board should have been, and they all screamed when they saw that it wasn't in its place. The cart flipped into the water, trapping the girls underneath. A young African-American worker named Dan Sessions witnessed the tragic event and rushed to the water. He mustered up all the strength he could and lifted the cart from the water. The youngest girl, Carrie, splashed up and he pulled her to safety. Thankfully, she was alive. The other three were not. In the days after the accident... The construction site, as well as the town, shut down for the funeral of the girls. Following the funeral, the Pity family returned to Maine to lay their daughters to rest in their hometown. Staff researchers have not yet been able to find the final resting place of the young African-American girl. In the century and a half since the incident, strange occurrences have been reported at the lighthouse. In 1955, the lighthouse lamp was fully automated and the United States Coast Guard replaced the lighthouse keepers with a position called lamplighter. The local lamplighter had all the duties of a lightkeeper but did not live on site. As a result, the keeper's house was rented out for a time. A local man rented the property in the mid-1960s and would frequently wake up to a little girl standing next to his bed, watching him. But when he would blink she would be gone. Other people have reported hearing giggling throughout the tower and felt something brush past their legs. One staff worker even reported that one day she had been climbing the staircase when she tripped mid-stride and noticed that somehow her shoelace had been tied to the staircase. More recently, a woman on a ghost tour approached another woman to compliment her daughter's behavior on the tour. Confused, the woman said she had no daughter. The other woman then told her that a little girl had been standing by her side for most of the evening. There were no children on the tour that evening. The one variable setting St. Augustine apart from other American cities is time. Time has a way of transforming things. It breaks down all physical matter. It eventually kills us all, and in our wake, it leaves behind our spirits. No American city has been around for a longer period of time than St. Augustine, 
and countless memories remain imprinted in the buildings and streets left behind by the spirits of the dead buried beneath the city. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome into Hometown Ghost Stories, episode number 47, St. Augustine, Florida. I'm Jesse Wilkins. I am joined by Rob Coakley. Hello, Rob. Um, here we are, the three pity sisters. And I would like to make a personal proclamation to anyone that wants to become a $20 Patreon member. Upon Dave's death, I will dig his body up. <laughs> I will take all of his teeth out. And the first, you know, however many teeth he has, I will send one tooth to each Patreon member. There you go. Some of the perks. We're trying to get a little more creative with the Patreon. And um, you know, Rob, is, uh, Rob is at the forefront of that creativity. We're also joined by Dave. Welcome, Dave. What's going on? Thank you. And Rob, stay away from my grave. <laughs> we, had a long, uh, we had a long conversation with Dave, pleading with him to turn down his microphone. And he did. And now you hear brand new... Dave, we're also in fresh 1080p now. So look at all that HDness. Look at that. So that's uh, thanks to all the people that have subscribed on Patreon. And thank you so much for all the support. We do appreciate you guys. We actually just had our first uh, Patreon pre-show hangout party, which was a great time. We got to meet some of uh, some of the people and see their faces. And uh, this was a little preview flyer for it. Well, never mind. You can't see it. It's in the background. But anyways, there's a really awesome preview flyer for it. But um, yeah, it was a good time. It was a good time. It was awesome to see some of these people and uh, and hang out. So we'll be doing that twice a month for people that do that. But hey, we're forty seven episodes in. Um, I believe Tommy is still watching. I want to give <laughs> Tommy Fahey a personal apology. So recently, uh, him and his wife Jackie have gotten into the show, and because they are members of the Dave Sucks Army, meaning they have the Dave Sucks tattoo, which we all have. Um, I want to go back and apologize because in, I think it was the Whispers of State episode, we talked about the rake ghost, which is the thing that like crawls on his big long arms. And we said, it looks like Tommy Fahey. And he just got to that episode. He texted me and he's like, you bastard. <laughs> <laughs> and, I, and now I have to own up to it. So I'm sorry that we uh, referred to you as a rake like creature, but we love you. And it's uh it's good to have you here and welcome Jackie. And um, they are powering through episodes. They just found out about the show like yesterday or the day before. And they're, uh, they're at least like halfway through. So welcome. Um, yes, yes, indeed. And uh, welcome to everyone else who's hanging out in live chat. It's been, it's been a fun one. And uh, yeah, so St. Augustine, Florida. Let's get into some of these stories. So you covered like two of the main locations, which was the uh, Huguenot Cemetery. Is it, did you look at it? Is that actually how we pronounce it? Because that's got a funny, funny spelling. Yeah, it does have a funny spelling, which is why I Googled the pronunciation before recording the episode. Like I always do when I am presented with a word that I'm not sure I can pronounce. And the only time I've got it wrong so far is with Coos County up in uh, New Hampshire. So, yeah, Huguenot. Huguenot. All right. So it was that one and then the uh, Lighthouse. Um, yeah, that, that was is... pronou- that's pronounced Lighthouse. Well done. Yeah, well done. Googled, Googled that pronunciation too. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, you actually roll the L's in Lighthouse, so it's Lighthouse. <laughs> that's right. So, roll the L's. Yeah, just to be a little more cultured there. Um, there's a ton of haunted locations in St. Augustine, but let's start with the ones um, that you were talking about. So a lot of weird stories coming out of that cemetery, um, especially like the the family's decision just to exhume the body and move him yeah, up. they wanted him up, moved up to, uh, I tell you, I talked about Judge Stickney there. They wanted him moved up to Washington, D.C. with them. Um, I don't want to say the weird part of the story because the whole story is really weird. But they basically, <laughs> he went up to Washington, D.C. on the train the first time, died en route to Washington, D.C., arrived in Washington, D.C., dead. They sent him back down to St. Augustine, buried him, exhumed him, put him back on the train, and he went back to Washington, D.C. and ri- arrived dead to Washington, D.C. a second time, which has to be a record. I don't think anybody has ever arrived at the same location dead more than once. That's pretty weird to me. One of those times expected dead. 
the first time big surprise. Yes, that's true. That is true. It would have been actually really shocking if the second time he arrived alive, which would have been a big twist in the story. That would have been a major twist. Uh-huh. Definitely. Would. I, I almost wish that that is the way it happens, but it isn't because uh, this is reality. So uh, the Huguenot Cemetery is pretty interesting. Has an interesting backstory. So they had like it basically it existed um, because it, they were burying people there through the yellow fever epidemic because they ran out of rooms for to bury people because there was just so many bodies piling up. Um, apparently they had really bad health care back then uh, for whatever reason. But there was a private cemetery in St. Augustine called the um, the, the uh, Tolomato Cemetery. And that was – it was private and it was owned by the Catholic Church. And they wouldn't let anybody who was not of Catholic faith or part of the Catholic Church be buried there. So they are basically like hoarding their cemetery. So the city had nowhere else to bury these bodies. So they just started burying them outside the city gate. And that's when they post they uh, posted the um, the watch person there to or the gatekeeper basically to just say hey don't come in here you'll probably die, um, but they just piled so many bodies there that eventually they're just like well we might as well make it a cemetery so that's how the Huguenot cemetery was born. And it's pretty weird too the um the well, how the gatekeeper died, and they buried him in his cemetery and then his daughter took over and that was the ghost that was seen on the ghost tour there. Well, they buried him outside the cemetery too, right? I'm guessing he wasn't Catholic. So the Tolomato Cemetery is, is separate. So that was a, a private cemetery. And then because they couldn't bury anyone there, they were burying them outside the city walls Oh, at the time. So the city since then has expanded. So the Huguenot Cemetery is part of St. Augustine now, but it wasn't back then. They were burying them outside the walls. And then they eventually turned it into <clears throat> a separate cemetery altogether. Think okay. of it like a seawall, Jesse. And think of it as one that you could get thrown over and do a cartwheel and land on the other side of said seawall. Well, so if everyone's confused about what the hell Rob is talking about, as usual, he is telling a story, sort of. He's referencing a story that actually happened about a time that Jesse got tossed off a seawall. A sea so, <laughs> unbelievably athletic, right? Not that I wasn't going to win that fight, but, you know, me and Rob get in a scuffle, and there happens to be like a six-foot-eight individual who um, began to threaten me physically. And um, he did pick me up and throw me over a seawall like a rag doll. Now, two things. <laughs> Number one, I let him go. <laughs> let him Number off two, the hook. <laughs> the seawall uh, had a railing on top. So as he was casting me over the seawall because he was so afraid of me, I managed... <laughs> I managed to catch the railing, right? And I cart I swung myself like feet over my head, like cartwheeled over this seawall. And to my luck, the seawall happened to be about Dave height. So on the other side of the seawall was not like a plummet to my death. It was just more ground. It was just a it was a chest high wall. And uh so I cartwheeled myself over the chest high wall and I land right on my feet and uh go about my business and I was fine. And then action figure Adam Wright showed up. This is our friend Adam, who is very much into weightlifting. And uh, he looks like an action figure. He shows up to the fight. And then, you know, we, we don't have to go into the specifics. But basically, once he showed up, everything was uh, everyone's like, oh, well, we weren't serious about this. But anyways, uh, yeah. chest high wall, cartwheeled over it. Very acrobatic. And, um, you know, spared that man's <laughs> life. That's the story. It is the story. So they would have heard. Huguenot Cemetery. <laughs> So if I were to cartwheel over the wall of the Huguenot Cemetery, what kind of ghosts would I find here now? So most commonly, you have the ghost of the girl who sits at the gate and apparently just still warns people not to enter the, cem- the cemetery. So that's kind of like one of those uh, residual hauntings that we hear. You know, the ghost kind of just goes through the same motions that they went through in their life. We talk about mm-hmm. it a few times. You get people that, you know, like they see ghosts that like walk back and forth through different rooms. Um you know, basically, the, when there was like a repetition in life, they kind of they, they tend to repeat that uh, after in the afterlife, also. Yeah, I saw that they refer to her as Elizabeth. I believe there's no like actual proof that that was her name. I think that's just like kind of like a name that they gave her, and also that um, she died right outside the city, the, the entry point to the city. 
that we're talking about. So that was one of the I things don't know. That I so I, I don't know if she died. Maybe I didn't read that. The, I the, the, that ru- was... the rumor is she, sorry, I'm going to keep talking. <laughs> she, she came up to the gateway and she died there of yellow fever. Basically um, is the, is the rumor. There was no evidence to support this claim though. Gotcha. I didn't, Except read, you had, that. You I, know, did, I did read that she was buried outside the gate. Which is mm-hmm. where they buried them all. Yeah, and it's a very likely cause of death with with, with what was going on in the area. Right. And then you had the, the ghost story of it being called the, the Yellow Jack. Yeah, which I thought that was a, that was a uh, ghost story that I had heard on a different podcast. They had so the guy Mark, his name is actually Mark, and he was the one who told the story on the other podcast. Um, I don't remember the name of the podcast. I apologize. I meant to write that down, but um, he he was basically telling that story that uh, that was what happened to him and his daughter. Oh, okay, really, all right. I really very I, much freaked them out freaked them out. That's cool. So it's an actual account of a, a real ghost experience there. I wasn't yes. sure if you meant that Mark just made up this story and it was cool, so you took it. But if yeah, if you're retelling a story that was told by someone who actually experienced it, that's actually really cool. So yeah, a very awesome. interesting. Yeah, another one of those kids seeing little ghosts. This this episode, uh, much to the chagrin of the entire chat, was full of child demon ghosts. And um so if, yeah, we're, you, so if you're like Catherine and Catherine believes that all children ghosts are demons, um, then yeah, this is a demon filled episode. Mm-hmm. But uh, I don't feel that way. These all seem like authentic little kid ghosts to me. They're all were people who were alive. And so a demon has never been alive to walk the earth. And all of these spirits have backstories and people tied to them. We actually, so, the funny thing is we actually guessed it on a podcast a couple of days ago. And with the host, we were having this very discussion about are there actually children ghosts or are there only demons pretending to be children? And I land on the same side of the coin as you, Dave, where I think there can absolutely be children ghosts. Um, we have yeah, a story. I'm on the same page there. Yep. We're, I think it could be as well. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, we just, we have a, a great story coming up in two weeks about a child ghost that's like really eerie and there's no demonic presence in that particular one at all and it just really like of all the stories we're going to talk about that one in two weeks really i think helps solidify that there could be children ghosts as well real Stephanie quick brings up um, a good point it says uh would you, would a demon warn warn you about yellow fever highly unlikely that mm-hmm. is a good point that is a great point actually a demon would probably pull. be like, come on in. There's definitely no yellow fever here. <laughs> is your no favorite color about. yellow? Yeah, that <laughs> exactly. is. Come check uh, the out. podcast I was just talking about was uh, Mysterious Radio, and the person, Mark, is Mark Muncy. He was an author who told his ghost story. Mm. So there's the credit right. where credit is due. Very cool ghost story. I do want to pull Joe's comments here. Uh, they say children are more sensitive to seeing ghosts. I did as a child. We would like to know more about that. For sure. And, and we've talked about this multiple times on a, on a few different episodes that children and pets uh, are more likely to see these kinds of things. Pets mm. likely through their entire lives. Children, obviously, some of them, you know, go on to as adults and, you know, become either sensitives or they're just able to see these kinds of things. Um, so that there's definitely uh, a lot of people that would attest to that for sure. Love to know your story, though. Uh, if you don't want to put it in chat, that is OK. But uh, join the discord if you haven't already and send us your ghost stories if you'd like to share. You can also email us at hometownghoststories at gmail.com. Yes. So uh, while we're on the cemetery thing, I did briefly mention the other cemetery, which is the Tolomato Cemetery, which was the Catholic cemetery that wasn't allowing anyone not Catholic to be buried there. So there's a little ghost story to this one that I wanted to bring up. Um, and it's a little a ghost child, a little ghost boy uh, by the name of James C. Morgan. And he died in, he died, he was five years old, uh, and he died on November 28th of 1877 of an unknown cause. So he was buried in the Talamato Cemetery, and his ghost story is pretty, or his basic, yeah, ghost story is pretty scary, or sad, rather. Also scary, ghosts are scary. Um, but his, the rest of his family, they were not allowed, basically the Talamato Cemetery stopped burying people there for a period of time. And the rest of his family was ended up ended up being buried in Huguenot. So uh, he's basically there buried by himself. And his ghost can be seen sitting in a tree above his grave. And there is a pretty interesting picture here that somebody got on a ghost tour. Can I share my screen? 
You can uh, actually probably not. Let me see. Hang on a sec. Uh, share screen. Share. Um, we're still doing. Jesse, you can. Jesse, you can. Should be able to grab it. I don't see it. It's there. Ho ho! All right, so right there, you can kind of see it. It's circled faintly, a red circle. Can you see my cursor? I don't know if you can see my cursor. Yes. No. Yes. I don't. Rob. Rob apparently can see things that I can't see. Yes. And they're supposedly sitting right there on that branch. Uh, which I thought was pretty interesting. It could be, you could explain it away as there's other shapes in the area that kind of look like that also. Mm-hmm. But um, basically it does, it does kind of look like a little person perched up on the branch there. Can you go back to that and, and show it one more time? Like move your cursor around. I can now see your cursor. Okay. Here. And he's right here. Kind of okay. sees like legs there, his knee. Yeah. For audio listeners, if you guys uh, tune into our YouTube and you can uh, check out this image that Dave is sharing. I can't make that out for the life of me. Oh, maybe, yeah. Maybe are those are his legs or his arms, almost like he's sitting down. Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. Okay, yeah, yeah, I see it. All right, cool picture. Thank you. You can take that away if you like. Uh, yeah, so that that's uh, people see that, and multiple people have seen it, and there's a whole bunch of different uh, testimonies of people that have seen it. So Valerie says that uh, James hugged me often as I approached the cemetery gates after a walking tour that told his story and used dowsing rods genuinely feels like a small child wrapping their arms around your legs. And then Gaga says, we just went on a ghost tour tonight. My granddaughter who was five said she saw the little boy. He told her that he missed playing with his sister and the history confirms that he did also have a sister. So it's not, I mean, lots of people have sisters, but it's just interesting when a little kid sees a ghost and kind of, the, the story is con- this kid's story is consistent with the legend, without uh, knowing yeah. the legend. Exactly. So because like yeah, so you know, most of these kids aren't looking up these legends. You know, maybe yeah. some of the kids that watch our show. <laughs> so mm-hmm. maybe, maybe they're getting into it. Uh, Brian leaves an interesting comment. It says, uh, "Amy from Haunted Road just did a strange escape thing this past weekend from the St. Augustine Lighthouse. You guys need to go there. I'm actually going to Florida in a few weeks. Maybe I will see how far away I am from St. Augustine." Check. And, I think you're. I think you're going to the other side. Yeah, I'm going to Orlando, so I should be significantly north, especially if this is south of Fort Lauderdale, as we alluded to earlier mm. before we went live. Yes, we had a big geography class earlier today. We did, but it was riveting. very fruitful. Yeah, it was very riveting. Um, so, is there anything else within the graveyard that you found? Because all I found, other than the two main ghosts. Is that it's like uh, from the website Old City Ghosts, they said that the place has been known a known hotbed for orbs, lights, and strange auditory illusions. Visitors constantly claim that they have heard a cackling of a man, and they also swear they have felt something tracking them among the bushes. Yeah, and the pictures that were ta- attached to those uh, testimonies, I had mm-hmm. included them in the uh, first part, are pretty right. crazy. I don't know if you saw the one with the base, the dude standing in the, in the middle of the crowd. Crazy picture, which I mean, I, it could be someone dressed up standing amongst the crowd, but I think the reason that it ended up on the ghost tours website is because somebody showed them the picture and was like, What the hell is that? and right. freaked everyone out. Uh, so just to correct what we just mentioned, we were way off. Um, St. Augustine is like right below Jacksonville, so like top right of Florida, north of Orlando, way north of Fort Lauderdale. All right, I'm, I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna take, we're some, way off. I'm gonna take some some exception with Papa Squatch here. He was in our chat earlier and he could have brought this up. He could have. He may have. We, we could wrong. We <laughs> hear him. Hear him. <laughs> he might've been corrected us the entire time. So that's okay. T-shirt. Glad he was there though. Thanks yes. for hanging out with Papa Squatch. Yes. <laughs> and, and I said before we got called out in chat, then I made the mistake of scrolling down on the recent chat. And I see us getting called out from absolutely everybody. Uh, but two hour drive from Orlando. I don't know if I'm able to squeeze that into the trip, but I would like to. So I'll have to talk to the wife. We shall it, see. It's funny. They brought up the, ge- we brought up the geography in the, uh, the pre chat thing that we were in. And I was like, wow, I'm really glad we ironed this out before the episode so I'm looking like idiots. here we are here we are <laughs> not even close not even on like the correct part yeah. of the state anyways yeah, we can right state. what part of tennessee is saint augustine in anyways <laughs> <laughs> all right let's <laughs> might have been closer to tennessee than it is to miami so yeah anyways let's get into the lighthouse let's i love lighthouse ghost stories um <laughs> 
I thought your statement was just going to be, I love Lighthouse. <laughs> like, like Tamlin from Anchorman. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I love Lamp. <laughs> no, I, I, love the, I love the aesthetic of a haunted lighthouse. Rob's and, card, Moth. <laughs> and one of the main places I want to, and like not even like a specific one, but one of the places I want to investigate is a lighthouse. Like I just want to investigate a lighthouse. Yeah, we should we should definitely do that. Maybe not this. I mean, we got we. I would like to go to St. Augustine one time. And the reason I left so many um, locations off this is number one, the two that I did, there was so much stuff on them that I wanted to be thorough with it. And the mm-hmm. other one is this is a place that I would definitely like to actually go to and to actually go to some of these places in person. Right. But um, this lighthouse has some interesting history to it. So there is uh, there's several lighthouse attendants, I guess you'd call them lighthouse keepers that uh, died there. And uh, Peter Rasmussen was one. And allegedly he was a big cigar smoker. So this is, you can cross this off your bingo checklist. Uh, You could smell cigar smoke. And that's supposedly the ghost of Peter Rasmussen. The other, um, the other option is the painter who fell off the roof of the um, lighthouse while he was painting it. He was also a cigar smoker and he was the feature of my intro story also. So he apparently also haunts the place. And then there's the uh, the three little girls, which is a very tragic story. You had the the uh, superintendent come down from Maine and basically bring his family down there. And they just made what sounded like the coolest ride of all time out of that rail car. And it was weird to me because I couldn't find anything else on it. The fact that the board that would typically stop them from tumbling off the rails into the water had been removed. So it didn't fall off. It wasn't just, you know, broken. It had been removed. And then nobody ever, they didn't say whether or not they looked into it and see if somebody removed it intentionally or maliciously, or basically with just out of just negligence that they removed it and forgot to tell anyone knowing everyone knew that these kids used this rail car, uh, recre- mm-hmm. you know, recreationally. I so. did see other websites that said that the, uh, the brakes on the rail car just broke or failed. Um, but I mean, essentially, that that piece of wood was serving as their yeah. That would be the failsafe. The you know, if the brakes go, then they slam into at least it. Have that not pleasant, in. not pleasant, but uh, you know, at least they're not drowning. So the um, yeah, the, the the youngest daughter survived. She was four, which I find pretty interesting. And the three older ones didn't survive. Which I mean, I guess anything can happen if you got a gigantic heavy rail cart on top of you in the water. Um. So. Who designs a railroad just to go off a cliff into an ocean? So the it wasn't a rail. So it was basically the, the track was designed to transport supplies from the shipyard where the supplies and, came in. Oh, that's right. That was the entry point. I was going to say. Yeah. Okay, yeah. It was designed to take these shipped goods and fling them into the ocean. <laughs> well, no, but that's what the board was for. The board right, was right, like, right. you start yeah, it yeah. there and you just send it up. That way you have, the, yeah. And they uh, obviously it's not, they didn't build it to be an amusement park ride. They built it to, you know, of course, you know, ship supplies back and forth. Yeah, so, they weren't doing one of those like Red Bull flying off the cliff challenges or anything with that. No, 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 yeah, not popular. Those Red Bull competitions back in the day, I suppose. No, I'm sure there were few, few of them. I would imagine. Yeah, Catherine suggests that someone might have sabotaged, sabotaged it. So. Yeah, that was my thought when I was reading the original story, and I was waiting to get to that part of the story where they're like, and then they figured out who sabotaged it. You know, what should be? Why would you do that? It's weird sabotage a railroad that kids play on i don't know people are weird but it's also possible that that it didn't go down that way could have been an accident could have been any you know any number of things that move that board we don't we don't know like it's it's tough to, to yeah it could just be someone strolling by and just kicked a loose board or it could have yeah. been something more malicious but uh five kids were in the cart and i think only two survived or three survived four two. were in the cart and one survived Yes, four were in the, yeah, the three daughters and the the friend, the, the uh, African-American girl who was the daughter of one of the workers, plus the okay. three daughters, four. The three older ones died and the youngest survived. All right. Yeah, the website I'm on said that, said that there was five and only two survived. Either way. So uh, we're at th- well, There were five kids. So the, this, there was a son, Edward, also, but I didn't see that he was on the cart at the time. So they had two surviving children, but one of them was not in the cart when it flipped off. Hmm. 
Uh, Catherine brings up an interesting point. She says younger kids have a better innate in instinct to hold their breath longer than kids who are older and aren't taught to swim. She says uh, that might be why the four-year-old survived. That is an interesting piece of information. If yeah, only they had a seawall. Mm -hmm. That's a good point, yeah. That's a good point. Wouldn't have saved Jesse, but <laughs> he would have tumbled right over it. I would have cartwheeled right over it, yep. caught the bar. Yep. Everyone else would have been fine, though. Yes. So this, um, this lighthouse was actually originally a watchtower, and one of the purposes that they built the watchtower was to watch ships coming in from the sea. Why, might you ask? Because these ships didn't always have the best intentions in mind. I know where this is I'm going. Go I'm going to stop this real quick. No, you're not. You're going to center yourself, and we're all going to put on our pirate hat. Oh, no. Hey. We finally That's did it. Right. We're talking about pirates. Tell that us, Dave. right. St. Augustine was the target hey, of several pirates. Right. Will you put, center yourself you? and put your hat on? I'm not the one who put the graphic. I can promise you don't need to be closer to your microphone. You never do. <laughs> all right. Now, St. Augustine was the target of several pirate raids or attempted raids in the early 1680s. Why, you might ask? Because the English settling South Carolina at the time, in the early 1670s and 1680s, were harboring pirates in the area of today's Charlestown. So pirates would come to, to uh, St. Augustine and just loot it and just do pirate things. They'd pillage until finally the St. Augustians built this kick-ass lighthouse or watchtower at the time and started fighting the pirates back. And there were some pretty bloody pirate in St. Augustine battles that went down. So uh, that I, happened. I wasn't not going to bring it up because it's I, I, cool history. You're angering me so much by just continuously moving away from your hat. There we go. It. For those audio listeners, I made a graphic that puts pirate hats on our head, but it is not a smart graphic, so it doesn't follow our heads. And Dave was wearing his pirate hat uh, completely off of his head. Yes. Well, we got to stop bringing up pirates. It just has to stop. When it's relevant, we talk about it, right? I feel like you find ways to make it relevant. Like it's sometimes it's, I do. This time that I mean, this time it was yeah. See, yeah, it's oh my god, where we're all, I like we're all pirates. we all want to know who did this. We're all we're so all you, trying to find who did this. Usually, I shoehorn in pirates just as an excuse to make my to use my pirate song, but this was, uh, this has nothing this to do with it. actually yeah. part of the history of the lighthouse that we happen to be talking about. Yeah. So it also could be reason for some of the hauntings there. If this is a lighthouse and people died there that during these, I mean, I couldn't find anything specifically that, that mentioned, um, pirate related deaths at this watchtower, but you got to assume some crazy stuff went down. There could be, there could be several pirate ghosts haunting. The ghost of Blackbeard could be haunting. Oh, this Jesus. St. Augustine <laughs> lighthouse. All right. I can't I can't do this anymore. <laughs> I I can't. I can't do this pirate talk anymore. We have to we have to we They have, have a pirate stay. museum in St. Augustine. And uh Brian says I wanted to go but missed it. I'm going back for that in the lighthouse someday. There's actually an awesome pirate museum in um let me just get rid of Rob here. We'll just have uh, Jesse's pirate talk. There's an awesome uh pirate museum in Massachusetts in um uh where is it? Yarmouth. It's uh, from the Yarmouth. Yarmouth. Uh, Sam Bellamy's pirate uh, treasure that had been discovered. And it's wonderful. <laughs> Side note, where's the merch? The merch is coming. Uh, I'm assuming, it's, uh, I don't know why Jackie's, uh, I'm assuming this is Jackie. She pops up as Facebook user. I don't know if that's because she's on private or what, but. Hmm. Um, Mark Zuckerberg is behind it, I think. I yes. think so. But uh, it is, it's on the way. We have a new, we just signed with Bloody Disgusting a couple weeks ago. And so all that merch stuff is going to be coming through them. By the way, I guess that's some sort of an announcement, but uh, we'll, we'll keep you posted on merch. We've announced this is the it. first official Bloody Disgusting episode. Oh, good. They're going to, they're going to love that we have pirates in our episode again. I'm sure they're going to be super. <laughs> they, never, they never officially complained about it. So Joe says pirate metal is fun also. I oh, assume so, yeah. about the music, which would be Ailstorm. Ailstorm. Absolute goat of pirate metal. I listen to it all the time. My son's on a super, um, a uh, super pirate phase that I don't think is much of a phase. I think he might just be a pirate. But we can move on to pirates now. Yeah, we've done our obligatory thirty-five minutes of pirate talk on the Go Show. Um, we've hit our quota for the year, boys. It we was pertinent this time. Sometimes I shoehorn it in. And by the way, we use the word shoehorn an awful lot. Mm. We do. Yeah, we got to cut it out. 
<laughs> Especially since shoehorn. Rob made the best shoehorn joke last week, so we're, we're all out of shoehorn jokes. Right <laughs> Tommy Faye, our, our resident uh, rake, has got any shirts in kids large. Well, we'll have to we, do that with uh, with adult size triple XL sleeves for you. <laughs> <laughs> for, his, for his huge muscles, obviously. Yes. Uh, merch will be merch. for everybody. It'll be for everyone. Yeah, it'll be, yeah, it'll be like a merch, merch store. store. You can buy whatever yeah. you want. Yeah. Um, let's get back to St. Augustine, though. Is there anything else with the lighthouse you wanted to talk about? No, I think that covers uh, all of it. It has some really interesting history and some really interesting mixed in with some very generic hauntings. So a little of both for everyone. Just that nice. water bottle was so loud. Yeah, I'm going to have to go back and <laughs> mute out whenever I use this. Yes. <laughs> it's even louder because it's filled with whiskey. I would like to talk about Warden Castle from St. Augustine. Let's do it. Have you guys looked into Warden Castle at all? I have not had the chance. So I think we may actually, if we we're going to come back to St. Augustine, we might have to hit this a little bit harder. But um, so the St. Augustine landmark built in the 1880s has been the home of the original Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum since 1950. And it's also been regarded as one of the most haunted properties in southeastern United States. That is another thing to check off the list there. Uh, Numerous guests and employees have reported hearing voices and seeing apparitions inside the building over the years. Some even claim to have smelled smoke from a 1940s fire that killed two women when the building was owned by Pulitzer Prize winner Marjorie Keenan Rawlings and served as the host of as the Hotel Castle Warren. So there's a lot more behind this actual castle. Um, but it is a pretty cool story that it was a residence that turned into a hotel that turned into the first Ripley's Believe It or Not Museum. Oh, okay. So, yeah, that's the Ripley's Haunted Castle tour. All right. Yeah, I did hear about this one. I wasn't sure if it was the same. I couldn't really see it. There. I saw a museum, and I'm assuming that says, yeah, it says Ripley's Believe It or Not right on it, correct? It does. Yes. Yep. So there's that. Um, I found that to be one of the interesting places in St. Augustine and the jailhouse is pretty damn cool as well. So it's the old jail after dark for um, Ghost and Gravestones. If you're in the area, they do a ghost tour there. And they do an actual investigation. You can go to this old jailhouse. And the historic, and what they wrote about it is the historic building housed prisoners from 1891 to 1953 when it was closed due to... Due to deplorable conditions, we've heard all this before, mm. and the inflicted cruelty on its residents. Eight documented hangings were carried out on this site, and many other deaths that can only be described as unnatural. So, another- yeah, it's supposed to be haunted by one of the inmates, um, Charlie Powell, mm-hmm. who uh, he apparently died a particularly slow death on the gallows. So, that might have been a situation where they hanged him, but maybe his neck didn't break, so he kind of strangled, got strangled. Mm. We had one of those. Sounds in the, like um, San Diego. Yeah, exactly. At the uh, Whaley House, or the gallows that were formerly on the property of the, where the Whaley House now stands. Um, yeah, the same situation. Guys, neck didn't snap, so we just kind of sat there and strangled to death. Yes, much like I want to do to Dave. Yes, sounds un- like an uncomfortable way to die. It does. So I'd appreciate it if you didn't. Mm. Mm. We'll Probably what I could have happened to that guy if he didn't throw me over the seawall for his own safety <laughs> you never know what could happen there god we should tell that whole story one day that's such a one good day. story one day uh and- brian says there was a display in the ripley's of the bell that was attached to a grave uh we talked about that with the uh dead ringers he said uh, when you mentioned that in another podcast that made me think of that display yeah when we did the ghost tour down in newport they uh showed us a bunch of graves that originally had the uh the bells on them they didn't have them any longer i'm I'm assuming those would have gotten snatched up by people as antiques or little treasures but uh yeah so that's that's where the term dead ringer comes from to recap on that basically if when people got buried it would be rather frequent that they would accidentally bury people alive and uh so they would install a little contraption where basically they could pull on the string and it would ring a bell on their grave and if the people that were in the graveyard heard the bells ringing then they would do that they accidentally buried someone alive and they would dig them up. They actually used to have a little tube that was like built into all the graves that would come up that if the thing was ringing, the person would, while they were getting ready to dig the person up, they would actually pump air in through the pipe. This is how common 
people were buried alive, which I can't think of a more horrifying way to die than be like wake up in a coffin. Yikes. So that's something that used to happen all the time. I want to see if um, we can find like antique bells that they sell from, you know, like maybe there's places you can buy some of these old bells and I'm probably gullible enough to buy one. That's not really an old one. And someone just sells it to me for like $300 Mm. and I'm just buy this bell that was produced in 1993. But (laughs) But I'm all for it. I'm that'd all for cool. having one of those. Yeah, that'd be cool to have. Yes. Um, Any other locations on uh, St. Augustine we want to touch on there, gentlemen? I think that's all I want to cover for now. There's the Castillo de San Marcos. Mark, I'd see Dave has to say these things because I cannot. Yeah, like the Tolomato Cemetery. <laughs> I would just call it the Tomato Cemetery. It does look like tomato. <laughs> the word just looks like tomato. <laughs> so this one is the largest masonry structure of its kind in the USA. It's really cool looking. Um, I can actually share my screen and let the people that are watching along with us see it. But it is the, it looks like a ninja star. It looks like oh. the world's largest ninja star. It kind of looks like the uh, Fort Oswego there. Yeah, that's right. I was going to bring Fort, on, same, Fort Ontario. Like, yeah, one of the one of the forts that we covered had like that same kind of design. I think there might have been one more point on it, but yeah, yeah, but that um, ninja star kind of look. It says within one of the watchtowers, there have been reports of a light shining from a fixture that has no electricity running to it. Other spooky occurrences include the sighting of a Spanish soldier standing at the edge of the fort, looking out to sea, just when the sun is about to rise or set. Very romantic ghost. In the dungeon, many people say they felt as if someone with cold hands was touching them which is uh, creepy. Please do not touch me. Others felt queasy and cold while walking through. It's also not uncommon for visitors that have shot videos and taken pictures while taking a tour to report the appearance of misty shapes, glowing orbs, and even the see-through shape of a person. Ooh. So that's that's fun. That's a little creepy. Mm-hmm. Good times, though. So, yeah, th- I mean... We were request people were requesting St. Augustine for weeks, and we were always trying to get to it again. It takes us a few weeks to to actually put these episodes together. And upon looking into St. Augustine, do not be surprised if we revisit St. Augustine in the future. Yeah, that's why I think we're going to leave a lot of these locations out because that's another one where you could do part two or part three. I I was sitting here doing my research for next week and. I'm reading this big, long ghost story. I'm like, oh, this one's awesome. And it was just Chicago again. I was like, all right, we can't do part three right away. So <laughs> we're going to hold off on that. Went into another story. I'm like, oh, this one looks good too. A lot of, lot of content on it. I go for the longer story so I know I could fill a whole episode. It was Chicago again. And then these are ones I haven't even heard of. There's so much stuff in Chicago. So we'll definitely be part three, part four. You know, a lot of these places, there's just so many haunted locations that we can go back to in a lot of these. We will cover every building in the city of Chicago, whether <laughs> you like it or not. We are coming, Chicago, and we are going to cover every haunted store. Or season two of Chicago Ghost Stories. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, uh, just real quick, I want to thank our patrons. We have two new VIPs this week. Thank you so much for this. Uh, Justin T and Jimmy RH. Thank you guys so much. Our other VIPs are Stephen V and Lisa J. Um, other patrons, we have Rachel B, Anthony, Angry Dave Rocks, T, uh, Matthew T, Cody G, Sydney B, Mark M. We have Papa Squatch, Mike B, Brandon W, Sarah W, Soph and Hooper, uh, Jake V, Stephanie A, Captain McSlugs, Sarah R, Seth Dave Sucks W. And um, that was a lot of fun again. We mentioned it earlier, but we had our first little Patreon patron hangout earlier today before the episode. So we'll be doing more of those and a few more ideas in the future for uh, Patreon members. So if you haven't already, go check us out at patreon.com slash hometown ghost stories. Look to support the show. Join the Discord. Uh, next week on the show, I do believe we're going back to California for an episode on the Wolf Manor. So this one... Might might hit a few locations because I don't know if I'm going to be able to find enough on this one location. It's a very haunted location, but I like to hit a few different locations to fill out an episode. So probably where we're going, but we'll see. And then uh, right now for uh, other patrons and everybody, we have uh, Celebrity Hauntings. The Ghost of Marilyn Monroe is available right now. And um, for everybody else, it'll be out on Friday. And then what's after that? We got... Um, 
movie review, uh, which is for the movie The Privilege, will be the yes. following Friday. Which you can watch on Netflix. And after Jesse in two weeks, I, I'm not going to say the location I'm covering. What I will say is that I'm covering a castle. Okay? And I want to see if people in the chat can guess which castle I'll be covering. I'm not going to give you any more clues. I gave you one earlier in the show. So you got a little clue in the show earlier. If you know that story, you might be able to figure out where I'm covering. But um, yeah, spoiler. It's, it's, it's a haunted white castle and it's delicious. Oh, yeah. I've never had white castle. I get it. So I can't I get it. It's probably it's not. not yeah, I, I had it once. Wasn't that good? Yeah, I feel like it's not that good. Not a lot of white castles around us here on the south shore of Massachusetts. Yeah, it is absolutely a castle that's over one years old. So conflict wins. Conflict always wins. Yes. So if you want to try to guess that, but yeah, a lot of fun stuff coming up. And then guess what? It is almost October, which means things are going to get real crazy, real hectic. We got a lot of stuff coming out in the month of October. We are going back over to Block Island. We are trying to lock down a, a place to investigate there. Uh, but there are other locations we want to cover there. We might do some live, some live video from Block Island. I kind of, I just want to show off the island. So if you're following us on, if not following us on TikTok, jump on there. When we go to locations, we will show you some of the areas that we're at. Uh, so that's going to be a lot of fun. And we got Salem coming up, which is like, I feel like the the antithesis of this year has been getting to the Salem episodes, right? Like that has been like we're like we need, we need to do these Salem episodes. Yeah, we do keep mentioning it, and then we go to Salem, and we get absolutely nothing accomplished. So we're gonna have to do a few more Salem trips to actually speak, get the content. Speak done. for yourself. <laughs> speak for yourself. I got some wonderful footage, heavily intoxicated. Well, and I also great. got I also got footage, but my phone got absolutely mangled. So, shout out to Captain McSlugs on that one. And then um, Brodad comes in the chat and reminds everyone that uh, Seth actually. Contributes music to the show, which he does. We do thank Seth very much. We're not thanking Seth. Cut not that out. Not you, yeah, exactly. You, he needs to figure his figure out his patronage. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I actually I did I did want to thank Seth because that is so that was the um the, it was the the uh, Spanish guitar music that was over the um like the historical mm-hmm. part of the uh the um opening segment of the episode and it's that is my favorite hometown ghost story track is that one i originally i called him and asked him to make it make me something like give me some sort of like spanish guitar like melancholy spooky sounding for the la llorona episode and he came in with that and it was absolutely perfect so i use that one whenever i can he always crushes it and i can't pick my favorite track because it changes because every time it goes to a song like goes to a story and i'm just like this fits this so well this is like just so perfect for this for this piece and this. So that's where I'm at with that. Like it just changes every week. I'm like, Oh, this is actually my favorite. Mm. Fair. Free mentions that we need to do a, a movie review of the new Hocus Pocus movie. We, we might actually we should just have our wives do that review and we don't even step in. I was going <laughs> to say we should have your wives come on for that review is what yeah. we should do. That would be fun. You know, the three of us can all have our wives come in. It'll be Kate and D it'll be perfect. <laughs> <laughs> That was an unmarried Rob joke. Pretty good. <laughs> yes, pretty good. Great. All, right. um, all the guesses in the chat are wrong for the haunted castle right now. So, do your research. Oh. Find which haunted castle I'll be covering. Otherwise, he's not going to do it. <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah. So there's no reviews this week to read. Uh, they, you guys are leaving a lot of five star reviews, which we truly appreciate. Thank you for leaving them on Spotify as well. But please take two minutes write out a review on itunes we will read it on the show at the end of it and it's very very helpful to us if you do so and not even just us if you're listening to a podcast um a lot just take the two minutes it's free and it helps that show get found more so and it it keeps the show going you see a lot of podcasts that could be really good that they're just not getting the support right so they they get a little discouraged and they quit and they might have been onto something that was you know on its track for great things and you hate to see stuff like that yeah. so 
try to leave 100%. reviews on every podcast I listen to because I know it helps them out. Yeah. Uh, quick shout out to Irish Assassin for bringing people into the stream and hosting our stream on his stream and also for throwing, I believe it was 500 bits to the Twitch stream. So appreciate that, my man. And uh, everybody else who was hanging out, thank you guys so much. We will see you on Friday for Celebrity Hauntings, The Ghost of Marilyn Monroe. It's a fun episode, kind of conspiracy filled. So get ready for that one. It's a, uh, it's a fun one. We had fun with that episode for sure. Right. Oh, my lady, my ladybug came back. Nice. Finally found it. Yes. It's good luck. All right, ladybug. For everybody listening, in. Jesse had a ladybug attacking him in the yeah. pre-chat. So if you're wondering what the hell he's talking about, I need this lady ladybug up. to get away from my mouse though before I run it over trying to. Ah, I'm sorry, it attacked me. <laughs> Is that good luck if the ladybug attacks you? Anyways, all right. Rob's we'll, closing uh, the curtain on Jesse. Rob's, Rob's closing the curtain on this. <laughs> I, I couldn't scroll the mouse over because there was a ladybug. In oh the my god! Goodbye, everybody. Over. Anyways, we'll talk to you guys soon. Thank you guys for tuning in. We'll see you next week.